Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you for the Spirit of God here tonight. Amen, amen. Well, I'm sure glad everyone's here and flowing and going and expecting and letting the Lord move us. Amen, amen. Our youth are at camp tonight and a whole bunch of big crew up there uh, getting shaken and uh, rattled and uh, filled and stirred and and uh, but we don't take we don't take a break as far as getting all God in here just because you know some folks are out right amen God's moving big time in the in our midst here thank you Lord amen 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 hallelujah let's pray for a moment is that all right can you worship sitting down or standing up Father, we love you today. We serve you. We bless your name. Thank you for for working in our hearts, for working in our lives. Thank you for working in our hearts and working in our lives tonight. We yield ourselves as vessels you can use and flow through. Thank you that blinders are coming off of people's eyes. Thank you that hearts are being opened. Oh, thank you, Lord, where there's where there's been hardness, there's be, there there's coming tenderness and openness and yieldedness and we become pliable in your hands you can mold and make and shift and move and and we can be whatever you want us to be we give you that right to speak to us to correct if necessary to adjust to change us but lord we give you all the glory for everything you say is good and everything you say is right And everything you do is desirable by us. We honor you. We bless you. We praise your name. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, uh, (laughs) it's kind of weird a little bit sometimes. You know, you think, what what in the world are you doing? (laughs) It's just, uh, I can't explain it. How about that? (laughs) I'm just gonna, so I'm just gonna go down this path, and then we're gonna see how this, how this goes. Um, uh, let me share with you for uh, just a few minutes about uh, about communion. Okay, ready? Good. Communion. You probably saw these these elements up here. Um, if you look at communion most of you know but i don't make any assumption that everybody knows anything so you're okay no matter where you are uh, when we receive communion we're receiving two elements one of them is bread and one's the cup all right the bread represents the body of jesus broken for us the cup which has basically grape juice in it uh, represents the blood of jesus shed for us on the cross Jesus uh, instituted that practice, maybe not exactly the way we do it, but <laughs> in the sense of the little plastic cups and so forth. Uh, but in principle, uh, right before he went to the cross. But him doing that was not necessarily altogether new to the, to the Jews, uh, to Israel. Um, now the part about that being his flesh and his blood, yeah, that was totally new. But as far as what Israel celebrates as the Passover was not new, all right? Uh, The Passover being an Old Testament uh, feast and uh, tradition and practice of Israel, uh, 
goes back to what we would now refer to as a type or a, uh, or sometimes I call it a prophetic picture. It's an event that happened in, in the first part of the book, the Old Covenant, that forecasted, that prophesied, that showed in a shadow form something that was later going to be shown in the light. So in the shadow, you can kind of see and make out images. You kind of get a gist of what it is. But you don't, even if you think you fully see and know what it is, you don't until you see the antitype, right? The Bible is full of those types and antitypes. Um, when it comes to the Passover, that goes back to uh, when Israel was slaves in Egypt and God sent Moses, raised up Moses to be a deliverer of Israel, and in the process of time when he was sent to the Pharaoh, uh, you recall that he said, let my people go, right? And uh, Pharaoh said, no. And, uh, and so, you know, <laughs> there's two ways to learn, the easy way and the hard way. He chose the hard way. And so judgments came, and those are what's known as the, the ten plagues. All right. The last plague, last of the ten plagues, was that the firstborn all across the land would die. And so quite a severe and harsh judgment for, and it's all on Pharaoh because he's the one who's kept resisting God and hardening his heart and stiffening his neck and he kept pushing back against God. And so there come, uh, they're about to be this last and final judgment, but of course Israel was to be spared. Uh, they weren't to un, and you know undergo that judgment. And f- their firstborn was not to die. So they were given instructions. And I'm I'll, I'm just giving an overview of all this. You can go back in Exodus and read it and read all the details. Um, and and in fact, if you if you want to look at one scripture, look at Hebrews 11. We'll read one verse there in a second. Uh, but before that last plague, uh, they were, that last plague, that last, yeah, the plague, I guess you call it, uh, they were instructed, Israel was instructed what to do to avoid the judgment coming to their house. All right? And they had to go out and, and on that night, kill a lamb and a, you know, a lamb without blemish, a firstborn lamb, all that. They're given instructions on that. And they were to take the blood of that uh, spotless lamb and put it on the doorposts of their house and on the lintel above the house. All right? So they were given very specific instructions about what to do um, to, to put that blood there. Now, that might seem strange. Say, why in the world would God have them do that? I mean, he's God. Couldn't, didn't he know who's who? <laughs> Couldn't he give the destroyer instructions and, you know, addresses and so forth? Skip over this house, skip over this house, skip over this house. Uh, we're not just talking about what God is capable of doing. Um, he is, he's teaching. He's dealing with a very real reality of sin. And sin requires payment. Sin requires life to pay for it. And in this case, the life of these animals, the bloodshed was allowing them to avoid the judgment. And so the 
the, the destroyer would pass by their house when they had that blood there. In other words, payment's already been made for these guys here. Death has already come. It was in substitution form. But death has already come to cover for this family, for their unrighteousness, their unholiness. So uh, blessing can remain and judgment can be passed. Right? And... And so we know now, looking from our vantage point, that what all that stuff they were going through was not only saving them in the present, it was also prophesying about one day there would be the final sacrifice, and he is called the Lamb of God, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. How many know Jesus is not a Lamb literally? Jesus is a lamb figuratively. Say, why? Why call Jesus a lamb? Because that's the prophetic picture. That's the antitype of what was in the old covenant used to cover their sins temporarily. And on the Passover day, that's what kept God's people protected from the destroyer. So whenever we sing, and we sing so many songs, and sometimes, you know, sometimes I wonder, do people know why we sing to the lamb? Man, you know. Well, the lamb is figurative. Many of us know that, but by chance, you know, have you ever sung songs you didn't know the words to? Or you didn't understand the words? I know back when I was a teenager and stuff, my wife and I talk about this, how we used to listen to the radio, and some of the songs you had no idea what they were saying, and you sang them anyway. You totally made up words that weren't even words. And... uh <laughs> And uh, there was no Google. You know, sometimes if you got, you know, if you got a cassette tape or an album or something like that, sometimes the words were in there. That's what they're saying. And but a lot of times they weren't even in there. It's just like you just guess. You don't even know. We we still hear songs from way back when, and we go, I don't still don't know what they're saying. So we look it up and go, Oh, how did I get off on that? Anyway, sometimes in church we sing worship songs, and and uh, there's no doubt I've done it myself. For years I'm singing about at Christmas Noel. Who's that? Who's Noel? <laughs> singing all these different words and just wait a minute, I don't even know what that means. And so and it helps take some time to go back and look and say this is what this means and this is what I'm actually singing and saying, so we can attach some faith to it. Uh, uh, nevertheless, the Lamb of God being one of those, Jesus being the Lamb slain from the foundation of the earth, and and uh, and He is the ultimate sacrifice. So when we are celebrating and receiving communion elements, we know we're talking about Jesus on the cross, but we are also, I think sometimes Israel, uh, people who are aware of um, Hebrew, the Hebrew background and is, Israel and the past, if they, if, they have a, if they have some knowledge of Passover and some of these feasts, they even get a bigger picture of what we do today. And, and when they, they say we're, we're drinking the blood, and that represents the blood of Jesus for sure, but what else does that do? Forgiveness of sins? For sure. I mean, that's the biggest thing. But if you imagine the doorposts and the destroyer coming by to take people out, but if I have that blood of Jesus over my life, I'm laughing. Because just, just like judgment passed over them, 
Now it passes over me. And it's not about me being good enough or being perfect. It's about me, by faith, accepting what Jesus' blood did for me. And, and something that I think is real helpful and necessary for us is to have faith in the blood of Jesus. Faith in the blood. It almost sounds strange. Faith in blood? But it, the Scripture says it multiple times. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So what does it mean to be a Christian? In one sense, you could say it like this. It's someone who believes that the blood was powerful and effective enough to wash them clean. The blood of Jesus when he died for us on the cross. But that blood will heal you. That blood will protect you from the destroyer. That blood will, will, will cause judgment to be uh, m- removed from your life. Amen. When we do what? When we simply believe in the power that's in the blood. Amen. Let me read that verse to you. Uh, or you can, you can see it with me. Since you're probably there, even though I'm not. Hebrews chapter 11 and, and verse 28. It's talking about Moses. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. So how did Moses do this? He did it by faith. What do you mean by faith? Well, think about it naturally. If he just did it by sight, you're going, uh, why are we doing this? Um, This makes no sense right here. What in the world? Who's going to clean this off of the doorposts? (laughs) I mean, you're putting blood on, on your house. Yeah? By faith, he took God at his word, and he believed the blood of that, of that lamb, uh, those, those animals sacrificed, would be sufficient to spare them, to protect them in the midst of junk happening all around. He had faith in God. He had faith in the blood. Amen. Amen. What would happen to you if you had faith in the blood of Jesus like Moses did in the day of battle, in the day of hardship, in the day of trouble when the enemy comes to attack you and you had blood in front of your house? And I'm not talking figurative, I'm talking figuratively. Don't go do this to your home. We don't need any animals anymore because we have one final sacrifice. And uh, that blood of bulls and goats, and the scripture says, that could not permanently take away anyone's sins. That was a temporary fix to get them through the day. (laughs) But now, once and for all, we forever, you can read about this in Hebrews 9 and 10, we forever have one final sacrifice. The blood of Jesus has been shed for you forever. It's finished. It's done. What's our job? To have faith in it. To have faith in it. Amen. Amen. Not just when we get saved. Probably many of us got saved and we probably scratched our head at a lot of these things. We didn't fully know. But as a believer, I believe the blood protects me. Why did God institute such a, an activity, an ordinance that we call communion? Why did He institute that? Not because it needed to be done to forgive us. Jesus already took care of that. Not because God needed it in any way. He said, I need, I'm paraphrasing, even though I'm putting it in the first tense, first person here. I need to give them something they can do regularly or as, as much as they need to. 
I'll need to give them something to do so that they will not forget the main thing. They will not lose faith in the power of Jesus' body broken and his blood shed. Say, why not just tell us? Apparently, it is so important that God didn't want to risk it to just us talking about it from time to time. He said, I want to give them something to do. I want to give them something physical. I want to give them something tangible. I want to give them something that they could partake of. And when they do, as often as they do it, they'll be forced to remember me. Remember what? Blood. Why do I need to remember blood? Because it's so stinking powerful, the devil can't touch you when you're on the other side of it. He can't. People think certain diseases are almighty and powerful today. Oh, there's no cure for this. I'm telling you, if we knew how much power was in that blood, those things couldn't touch us. So he gave us a help, a tool to remind us there is great power and deliverance in what Jesus did for us. Amen. Now, I wasn't going to teach very long, and I'm not going to. So let me show you one more verse. Uh, you might know this. It's in the book of Revelation. And then we're going to do this. And we're going to do this different. Uh, well, we're going to do it. Part of it I've done once. The other part I've never done. In, in all of my 30 years of living. Revelation chapter 12. Say, Pastor, do you believe in lying? <laughs> I'm under, uh, I'm protected by the blood. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's not a license to do wrong. It's power to do right. Uh, you might know this verse. If not, now you will. If you do, it's still as good as it's ever been. Um, verse 11. Revelation 12, verse 11. And they overcame him. Him there is uh, basically Satan or the accuser of the brethren. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Okay, I want you to consider. How did they overcome? We see the first thing is what we've been talking about. They did it by the blood of the Lamb. If they overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, how are you going to overcome the enemy? By the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb. By, by your... If, uh, consistent prayer life? No. See, that might sound confusing. So, so do we need a consistent prayer life? Yeah, but if in your prayer life, it, your faith is in your prayer life, then it won't put you over. But if in your prayer life, your faith is in the blood of the Lamb, it will put you over. Yeah? They overcame by the blood. That means I'm going to overcome by the blood. Yeah? Say, well, the blood was shed for everyone, so everyone automatically overcomes. No, only those who have faith in the blood. 
Only those who believe in the power of it. They believe in what it did for them. They believe that there's a line drawn in the sand, so to speak, as far as what the enemy can do against them. They believe the blood gives them the right to, to live free. They overcame by the blood and by the word of their testimony. Now, now we think about sometimes uh, giving praise to God. We all believe in praising God and worshiping Him. And, uh, and much of the time, our praise is when we are, you know, singing or speaking out or shouting. or and, and for sure, that's praise. But, you know, you can praise God not just in a in a song or in a time of hands up and eyes closed and, 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 and praising Him. You praise God sometimes even when you're talking to someone else. I mean, sometimes we do that to each other, right? We'll say something about someone else that's a compliment, that's a praise of them. We're praising them, even though we're not talking directly to them, right? You, you basically, we could say it this way, we praise God whenever we talk about Him or sing about Him. We're praising Him. So it can happen in the middle of a conversation where you say, you know, the Lord did this for me. What did you just do? You praised Him. Did it count? Yeah, even if it wasn't during the worship slot of the service? No, it counted, fully counted. When you talk about Him. Amen. Uh, You know, the psalmist wrote, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you're redeemed, speak up. Why should we speak up? Well, for multiple reasons. But when you speak up, you praise Him. Amen. Here's here's what I'm saying. They overcame by the blood and their testimony. By the blood, faith in that the power of the blood, and in what they said. So if they overcame by the blood of Jesus and by what came out of their mouth, how are you going to overcome? By the blood of Jesus and by what you say. By what I say when? Well, pretty much all the time. <laughs> but when I, what I say when I do this? Absolutely. But what I say to other people? Yes, that'll put you over. Now, Jesus already, quote, put us over in the spiritual sense. He made it available, made provision for everybody to live over and not under, to above and not beneath, right? But you experience it. When you release faith in the blood and you say it and you testify. Hallelujah. Now don't, don't confuse this. Testi- testimonies are not just what you write down and send in for us to use on Sunday morning. That's one way. Is the Lord being praised when you're writing your testimony? If it's a real testimony, then yes. You know, I mean, you can do anything in the name of. You know, you can actually praise yourself, right? But if you're testifying of what the Lord did, if you're singing about what the Lord did, He's glorified. But I tell you, everyone needs a good testimony. They, what, what do you mean? You need to say what the Lord has done for you. To say it. And preferably, we all at times need to say it to other people need to tell someone else. I think, I think Amy read a testimony recently. I don't know who that was or remember the details. But a person got healed, and the way they did is they went around telling everyone. And that's risky business. You telling people you're healed when you don't look like it? 
But they went around telling people, I got this, 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 and then it, and then it manifested them. How did they overcome? By the word of their testimony. Amen. Do you need to tell anyone anything? Yes, you do. That's the answer. Yes, you do. What are you? How are you bragging on the Lord? How are you bragging on the blood? How are you testifying about what the Lord has done for you? Say, well, I sing the song. That's good, but you're hiding a little bit. I mean, in other words, we can all do that. And, but it's when you talk to someone and you tell them, Amen, Amen.